only word you need, though, is hello. So, <laughs> we'll try. I'll say hello, then you'll say hello. So, hello. Thank you, Mrs. Steiner. Good morning, everybody. I'm not going to make you say hello. <laughs> we are a team from Bridges Learning Center. We are a part of the Akron Public Schools, and we are excited today to share with you some amazing opportunities that we have found to support our students with significant intensive social, emotional, and behavioral needs within the Akron Public Schools. Let me first talk to you a little bit about our program and the Akron Public Schools. Akron Public Schools services uh, students from Akron, about 20, a little over 21,000 students across 46 schools. We have 2,500 employees, and our superintendent, Dr. David James, just gave his state of the school speech last week. If you're interested in finding out more about the state of our district, I encourage you to go to APSLearns.org. Uh, I can talk to you a little bit specifically now about Bridges Learning Center. We are a program within the Akron Public Schools that provides educational services to students grades K through 12. We have a total of 142 students currently enrolled. We have 20 self-contained units. All of the students at Bridges Learning Center have an IEP and have been placed in our program by way of an IEP meeting changing their least restrictive environment. Our class size for our behavioral units with students that receive education using the core curriculum is 10 to 1 to 1 with one teacher and one educational assistant in every classroom. We also have four units for students with significant cognitive, behavioral, and communication needs. And those class sizes are 5 to whatever amount of staffing they require, a teacher and several educational assistants, depending on the grade level. We focus all of our rigorous content aligned with what every student in all of Akron Public Schools is doing. We are lucky in the Akron Public Schools to have a robust pyramid of learning where we have graded course of study for all of our core content and our students receive instruction using all of the board adopted materials. In addition to that, we also provide significant social, emotional, and behavioral programming embedded in our school day. As far as discipline is concerned, our program uses uh, restorative justice practices, and all of our behavioral programming uses what's called the NOW behavioral system, which is based on the work of Nicholas Hobbs and re-education. All of our practices are trauma-informed practices, and we make sure that the, train the staff receives uh, intensive training on how to deal with students in crisis and brain-based uh, strategies for dealing with trauma. Every student at Bridges Learning Center has a safety plan, which simply means that we practice with our kids what to do when they are feeling themselves losing self-control. One of our really important tenets of instruction is teaching self-regulation because I can see right now many of us are regulating. There's people fanning, there's people tapping. As adults who are gainfully employed, we've all managed self-regulation. Kids aren't born knowing self-regulation. So my counselor will talk a little bit more about that. As part of our self-regulation strategies, every 
person at Bridges Learning Center. Uh, from me to every educational assistant and every student has a safety plan and we mindfully practice what to do when we find ourselves getting escalated. A uh, common language that you'll find at Bridges Learning Center is for someone to say, you seem like you're in the red zone, I see that you're angry, let's work your plan. And we model that with kids, we show them what we do when we start to lose control, and we have them work us through that. One of my favorite kiddos frequently will ask me if I have had any coffee before he talks to me, because on my safety plan is have a cup of coffee. Um, I want to make sure before we get into our programming that I introduce to you my amazing staff members that are sitting here. I'll start closest to me. This is Mrs. Edie Steiner. She is our music therapist. Mrs. Shannon May, our art therapist. Miss Coach K, Sarah Kalane, who is our PE teacher and a member of our PBS team. Uh, Mrs. Chrissy Olchen, who's our school counselor, and Mr. Brian Hill, who is my school psychologist. They're each gonna talk a little bit about their aspect of our wraparound services, and I believe at the end we're gonna take some questions, okay? Thank you all so much for joining us today. Um, as I mentioned earlier, in the NOW program, we have a re-education philosophy, which is based on 12 guiding principles. Uh, it, you can look up the research, it's really powerful stuff. I have in the audience our uh, uh, representative from the special ed Office of Special Education who is instrumental in designing the program. What you should know is that the tenants and the philosophies in the NOW program are based on re-education, and we use these in everything we do. One of the guiding principles is that every day is a new day and we really take that to heart at Bridges Learning Center. If there is a situation where a child needs discipline, we try and handle that discipline in the same day because it's meaningful, it's immediate, and it promotes our basic belief that every day is a new day. We also say at Bridges that it's never too late to start your day over. It doesn't matter that you have been rocking since you walked off the van. At two o'clock, if you say it's time to reset, you hit the reset button and you start over. And we try and embrace with kids that there is no, there's no finish line in a day. And so as wonderful as it is to have a great day all day long, it's just as important, if not more important, to be able to turn your day around. And that's some common language that you'll hear at Breaches. Um, our staff training is robust and purposeful and intentional. I'm lucky to have been at Bridges since 2013. In my former life as an intervention specialist at a middle school, I only knew students who accessed the program through some of my inclusion services. But what I can tell you is that my staff has an extended week at the beginning of the school year and at the end of the school year. And this is ongoing professional development in behavior management strategies, in trauma-informed practices, in rigorous instruction, in dealing with kids in crisis, you name it. We also use CPI training, nonviolent crisis intervention, as a district. That is our district's protocol for intervening on behalf of an acting out child. And so for those of you who are familiar with CPI, you know a lot of CPI is uh, controlling adult reactions and basing adult reactions on how the student is reacting. My staff are expert purveyors of this um, and you'll often see somebody standing in a supportive stance talking to a child that's acting out without even noticing that they're doing it. Another essential component of our NOW programming are classroom group meetings. In this element, uh, the teacher goes over goal setting, behavior from the previous day or the previous moment, and how a student is progressing. It's basically a guided check-in time with students. The NOW program provides us three opportunities a day to give students, to assess student behavior and assign a daily uh, rating for that, a numeric rating. The rating system is one through six, with six being the highest and one being the lowest. Students progress through a level system that's a visualization of their behavior and they earn privileges based on the level of behavior that they're at. We also stress in our programming that your classroom is your community. A lot of times kids come to our program after some sort of traumatic experience, either some significant behavioral incident 
or some sort of time where they've gotten the message, you don't belong at this school. So we get families from across the district where kids have had, um, there's no sugarcoating, it's some sort of traumatic event. And frequently parents come to us feeling a certain kind of way, they're frustrated, their kids are complicated, they only wanna help. We embrace the child. From the moment that child comes through our door, the message we give them is, you belong here. You're home. You're a bulldog. We're so happy you're here. And uh, I could talk for days about Bridges, which they'll all attest to, but one of the things I love about Bridges is that every adult in the building knows the name of every child. And every child, it's like an episode of Cheers when they come in. I mean, we greet every kiddo by name. There's so many hugs. It looks like a family reunion on the way in every morning. And that's because we want children to know, despite whatever negative experiences you've had in school thus far, you belong here. We're glad to see you. We're happy you're here and you're a part of our family. My teachers work very deliberately to create that atmosphere in their classrooms as well, so that in the first couple weeks of school, not only are they spending time learning rituals and routines and expectations and doing some learning practices and review, but they're also building their team identity. We've learned that if kids can hold each other accountable and tell, show that they value each other as members of their community, they have, more, they have better behavioral gains. So we absolutely emphasize the classroom as a team, which is a foundational practice of also uh, re-education. We're gonna now talk about some specialized therapies that we offer at Bridges Learning Center. So, uh, Shannon. Good morning, I'm Shannon May. I'm the art therapist at Bridges Learning Center. I'm gonna talk to you about the specialized therapies that we have, which include occupational therapy, physical therapy, and speech pathology. We have occupational therapy, which addresses the physical, cognitive, psychosocial, and sensory components of performance. Our OT focuses on academics, play and leisure, social participation, self-care skills, and transition work skills. Uh, they also work on improving fine and gross motor skills needed during class time and recess, improving independence with basic self-help skills that are performed at school, and they address difficulty regulating any of the five senses to improve educational performance as well. Our physical therapist addresses impairments in strength, balance, coordination, and mobility that affect the student's functional task performance. She works with students on maintaining sitting balance in a classroom chair, on the floor during circle time, in the cafeteria, and on school transportation vehicles. Also moving from class to class and throughout the school by walking and using the stairs. Activities related to recess and gym class such as jumping, skipping, hopping, and throwing or catching a ball. Our speech therapist uh, works on articulation, so correct production of target sounds and words, sentences, and conversation. Also auditory skills, being able to follow directions to complete a task or recalling facts from a story. Semantics, explaining word meanings and the relationships between words. Pragmatics, the ability to interact socially with other people. And syntax, speaking and grammatically correct sentences. So those are our specialized therapies. Good morning again, my name's Edie. while you were in your seats as you were coming in and how the music impacted you. So 
So I'm the school behavior therapist. Shannon is our art therapist. And our students are blessed with the opportunity to also have art education and music education at their performance center. And why that's so vital and important is that the arts influence human behavior by affecting the brain. You can't help but to be affected by what I do as a music therapist. Your body is a transponder listening to the microphone. And no matter what I do, your body's going to react to it. I'm going to show you a video about that at the very end. So subsequently, other bodily structures are impacted also. Everything that we do, or as with the expressive arts therapies, um, and I've kind of skipped through this, but something that's important about our, our definitions of art therapy and music therapy is that it uses a therapeutic process with the arts, and we will have our slides online, so if you miss something, take a picture of it, though. Um, but I want you to just know that there's a relationship that's built with our students, and that's why this process works. I'm a board-certified music therapist. Shannon is a board-certified art therapist. We've been with Akron Public Schools going on almost 20 years. So music therapy also, it's a systematic process. Relationships are the foundation of this. I can't do this work without the student being involved in it. So it's social-emotional learning embedded. I can observe that there's changes in the students. Shannon can observe that. We can change mediums in the moment based on that information. So it's no mistake that in our bodies, that music and your heart are measured by beats, that, your, that sound and the waves of your brain, they're all measured by waves. I'm sorry, sound and wave, brain waves are all measured by waves. So we can look at the predictable things that um, occur during music therapy and art therapy sessions, and we know that there is already a vast body of music therapy and art therapy re research that supports how the arts can restore and they can heal the brain. Think back to Gabby Giffords and her story. She's probably about five years ago now. She worked with a music therapist to learn, once again, to talk and to walk and to speak, and she used her creative arts. So we, get, we heal the damaged neural pathways of our students. As art music therapists, we really fill that gap between social-emotional learning, trauma responsive instruction, and we use the arts at Bridges Learning Center as a non-negotiable um, classroom constructional tool. So through the arts, our students at Bridges Learning Center, they can access their learning brain. Uh, through the arts at Bridges Learning Center, our students utilize higher order thinking skills. Because even adding, making a choice between a tambourine and a maraca, they're already applying all that knowledge. So if you think of your depth of knowledge, they're going right to the end of that. Um, and our students have overall academic success because we're providing an opportunity for kids that have cognitive blackouts to express themselves. So the observable things we can see, we saw it in the audience today, we saw people tapping their foot, we saw people dancing, moving. In art therapy, that might be a child scribbling across a page, that's expression. It might be painting, it might be drawing, it might be crumbling up a paper and flattening their kid back out again. Those are all observable things that show us that that child is no longer functioning in their lower brain, their primal brain, their fight, flight, or freeze. They're going up into their higher brain. They're getting ready for learning. We're activating all those neurons, and then they're ready to do the next thing. Um, we do that in therapeutic doses throughout the day, either in small group, individual um, music therapy, and large group music therapy. So it's identifiable. Art mimics, mimics life. Our students correlate loud to hurt or to anger, slow to fear and to sadness, and colors can be correlated to emotion because each brushstroke disturbs human emotion. That each note, every time they sing, that's one moment getting them closer to healing. It's almost like taking a dose of healing and having that, if we keep doing that repeatedly, these children are going to grow. We're, we believe in that. It's measurable because the arts are developmental. You wait for a baby to truly to sing and to have some contour aside from low-pitched voice. We wait for our children to learn to hold crayons and to scribble across the page. We wait for them to get messy in sandboxes and to play. 
music is mathematical, and music and the arts help us to feel prideful. They help us to feel hope. And that's actually something that Shannon and I are embarking on some research um, next year. We uh, found out that the reason that eighth graders fail at math is because they have no hope in the process of being good at math. So we're going to be doing some race, um, research over the next year to understand how we can impact hope and instill hope in our students. And you can work that through doing the music and art therapy process with them. Using, um, We're going to write songs and we're going to do some illustrated mantra murals. And we're going to talk to them specifically about hope and say, how hopeful are you about this math lesson that you will use this concept in life? And we'll take that survey, we'll do an art therapy or music therapy intervention with them and then measure that post assessment and then see how they do on the math. So we're going to be focusing um, on that concept of hope. Music and art are predictable. In utero, your eighth cranial nerve, which is responsible for your ability to perceive sound and to move in time and space, is the first to uh, develop. This gives the potential for our students to develop perspective, which is important not only while driving, but also in art. Bridges Learning Center, the expressive arts are integrated into everything we do every single day. You can't get away from me, believe me. <laughs> so we do everything from lunchtime music to um, we have an open studio, intensive art and music therapy studio on Fridays, all day Friday. Um, we have music assisted relaxation all day Thursday with live organic musical stimulus where kids are drumming and they're doing um, they're playing xylophones, they're playing electric guitars. We have rap battles on relaxation day because who's to say what relaxation means? It, it might be rapping about Jesus looking really good at us. Or it might be listening to slow and relaxing, uh, slow music that you perceive to be relaxing. So relaxation is different for everyone and we work with that because we have kids K through 12. Um, we have art and music therapy with our, our um, students in the success units, which is our students who are living with cognitive impairments. And we also, on um, two days a week, we take our entire schedule, and on Tuesdays I spend five, five to seven minutes in every single classroom and in our entire building. It takes me the entire day to go through 20 classrooms and do a five to seven minute activity that is a brain boost. You walk in your classroom, I've got a short activity plan, Everybody puts everything away. We do the activity together as a class, and then I move on to the next classroom, and the students go back to learning. So the art therapists and the music therapists do that every, um, I do it on Tuesdays, Shannon does it on Thursdays. We also, um, Shannon and I run a program this year, it's called Don't Talk to Me. So I, last year was observing that there was kind of a gap between when kids got off the van and they were feeling unorganized, or there was something at home that didn't get Um, I also do, we also do lunchtime music every day with different themes. 
we have a partnership at Bridges Learning Center with 91.3 The Summit, which is um, funded through the Akron Public Schools, which is a, a local radio station. We have a partnership with them where they are giving us um, instruments and um, providing some support throughout for our programming. We also have two rock bands at the school this year. We have um, their middle schoolers, and they play cover songs, basically. <coughs> uh, we have the Note Ninjas and the Kids from Akron. And we just developed a community partnership with Who's Bad, who is the internationally touring Michael Jackson experience band. And we are going to the House of Blues in Cleveland on Friday night. And we're hanging out in the sound checks and on stage and performing. So we've got some good, good community partnerships there. So this last thing that I want to leave with you, um, and if you have any questions, by all means, I, I don't mean to um, take your time in that way. It's just something that I spoke on this presentation to clarify it or say more about. But this last thing I just, we talked at the beginning about how your body is a transponder for, for music and for sound. And this is a, um, the video quality isn't the greatest because it came off of your tube, but this is a video of how your neurons fire to music. So. This is just proof that we can't help it. This is recorded music. So if this was live music, this entire area would be lit up. So live music is the key, relationships, and um, the whole experience. So kind of quick. <laughs> because Shannon and I have been in the trenches for 19 years, excited about the work that we do, and now there's this place for us to um, teach you more about the things that we do. So my name is Judy, and this is not the last time you'll see me here in the state of Ohio since I returned here, so thank you very much for your time. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm Chrissy Olgen, I'm the school counselor. So I'm gonna speak with you a little bit about some of the additional programming that we have at Bridges. First, I'm gonna talk with you about zones of regulation. This is a self-regulation curriculum that we have implemented in the building. I use this weekly with students in grades K through five. So with this program, I meet with each class once a week. So it's full class and they are receiving the curriculum from the zones of regulation. Some of the skills that students learn during this time, they really work on identifying their feelings. They identify their feelings and what zone those feelings fit into. So we spend a lot of time, weeks in fact, recognizing the feelings in their body, um, facial features, body language, how they recognize it in themselves and then also in others. So once they are secure in identifying the feelings and having a better understanding of the four different zones. So there is the blue zone, when we are feeling calm, our body, I'm sorry, when our body is moving slow, so if we're tired or sick. The green zone is when we're feeling calm, ready to learn. The yellow zone, when we are feeling a little anxious, nervous, starting to lose a little bit of control, so that's currently where I'm at, a little nervous. And then we have the red zone, when our body is fully out of control, and once we reach that point, it's really hard for students to get back to the green zone. So we work on trying to identify when students are moving into the yellow zone so we can get them back to the green zone because it's a quicker transition. Along with the feelings, we talk about triggers for students. It's important that they recognize what upsets them, what makes them tick, what frustrates them, what gets them to the yellow and red zone. And we talk about that and their triggers that are taking place at school, but also at home. And once we have done that and recognize how their body feels when they're being triggered, then we move into addressing different coping skills and different tools 
that work best for them. So this goes along with the safety plan that Mrs. Davis spoke about earlier. And we experience, we practice, we walk through a lot of different coping skills. We discuss that every coping skill isn't going to work. That's okay. What works for you isn't going to work for your friend. What works for your friend isn't going to work for the adult in the room. So it's okay if they change as well. And that's something that we talk about that maybe this week, this tool's really working for you and then something else happens and next week, it's not working anymore. That's okay. Your coping skills can change. That's why we go over so many. So this is something that we touch on a lot when we are working through the zones curriculum. We also talk about sizes of problems. So we, even as adults, we encounter all different sizes of problems every single day. Some of our problems are really small, some of them are really big, and with the zones curriculum, we identify that there are five different sizes of problems. And the most important takeaway is we have to make sure that our reaction is matching the size of that problem. So that is so hard and it is so difficult. So it takes a lot of practice and a lot of repetition, but just having the students understand that there are different sizes of problems and what's appropriate and what's expected and how to respond that's where we put a lot of our focus because we do talk a lot about the expected and unexpected behaviors and depending on where they're at, whether it's at school, at home, at the grocery store, there are expected behaviors and what's expected of them to follow and how other people might view them if their behaviors are unexpected. We also address problem solving through the zones curriculum. There is a strategy called stop, opt, and go. It's really easy and simple, and basically it's stopping before you act, thinking of all of your options that you have, and then making the best choice. So it's a little stoplight. Um, the students really connect to it, and that's where we're working right now, actually, in groups. So that is a brief, very brief overview of zones, but again, that's something that we are working on and implementing in our classrooms from kindergarten through fifth grade. What is really cool is the longer that we have been working with this curriculum, you start to hear the language throughout the building. And as you've heard other people talk, it's common for staff to ask students what zone they're in. A lot of the classrooms in K through five, they have check-ins in their classrooms, so little posters where students can move their tag or their name, whether it's first thing when they come in in the morning, after lunch, any time throughout the day, they can place their name on what zone they're in, and that's a great place for the adults to recognize how the students are feeling. Maybe something happened that the adults weren't aware of, and that lets them know, hey, I need to check in with this student. So it's a constant check-in as to how the students are feeling throughout the day. So it has been really cool to see that transition that not only are we talking about it in group, but it's starting to connect to the classroom as well. And as you know, the more you do something, the more you practice, then the better results that you're going to see. Our PBIS is another program that we have within our building. So this is our positive behavioral interventions and supports. And this is a school-wide system that we have in place where we talk about our expectations for students, our procedures for students, and we want to see positive behaviors. So we reward students for that through a couple of different avenues. The first is when we are seeing students follow our school, school-wide expectations, then students, each students, sorry, each student has a punch card. It's just a little card that the staff members can punch a, like a hole punch or mark it um, each time that a student is following our expected behavior. So whether that's walking in the hall quietly, waiting patiently in line for the restroom, um, walking through the cafeteria appropriately, using their manners, throwing their trash away, all of the expectations that we outline. Students are able to get punches for that on their punch card, and they <laughs> once they fill the punch card, they can turn that in to receive a prize. So we have a prize cabinet that I keep in my office, and we have anything and everything from little trinkets and jewelry from chapstick and lotion to snacks and candy, which is always a big hit. But then we also have coupons for students where they can earn time with a certain staff member, or they can earn a little extra time um, playing a game, or they can help assist with 
our bag delivery, which I'll touch on later, on Fridays, or they can help with Mr. Bentley's announcements in the morning. So they really enjoy those coupons, actually, along with the candy the most. Um, another piece to our PBIS system is we have monthly incentives as well for students, and this has always been what we've done. We've, we've utilized our monthly incentives, and most recently we have found that the more incentives we have, the better the behavior. So we, uh, beginning in, I believe it was around Thanksgiving, we implemented through winter break a weekly incentive. Now, in order for students to attend the incentives, they have to have positive behavior. So each student receives ratings during their school day, and for that time period, they have to have a certain average in order to attend. So at the beginning of the year, we start out with a low average, and we gradually build and build, hoping that students continue to rise to the occasion to attend our incentives. So back to our weekly incentives, we started noticing that when we had these weekly incentives, more students were participating. They were coming um, when they hadn't been before, which was really exciting for us to see, and it took our PBS team a minute to step back and figure out, okay, maybe this was a fluke. Is it just because it's this time of year? What's going on? Well, we have decided that from this point on, we are implementing our incentives every two to three weeks, depending on what the incentive is, because we can't sustain an incentive every single week. Some of our incentives include things from a movie and popcorn. We split it up to different, um, our primary and our intermediate, so that way they're split. We've had school dances, K through eight. We have had the University of Akron football team come to our building and run football drills with kids. We've taken field trips. We have had a really big birthday party celebration recently, which was a huge hit. We have staff and student games. Last week, we actually had our Winter Olympics, and then we had for our intermediate students a staff versus student floor hockey, and it was quite the time. Coach K did a great job with running that. Um, the students had a blast. So we have a variety of incentives, and the students really get invested in that. We make sure that they're hearing what the incentives are on the morning announcements, so we're kind of building it up a little bit. We have posters around the building. We talk a lot about it. Teachers are speaking about it during their groups and throughout the day, trying to motivate students and reminding them, hey, you're on track. You just need a few more days. Make sure you're reaching this goal. So it's a really good goal setting um, piece for our students. What is really awesome about our PBIS this year is since we are K through 12, we have started having our high school students get invested in this. We are using them to help prep all of the materials before our incentives. They are helping run our stations. They are involved and they're getting their service learning hours by doing it. They're building relationships with the students that they don't always interact with and they're setting a really good example for our kids. So they don't interact with our students K through eight very often. So during these incentives, they do and the kids look up to them and it's really great to see their hard work and their investment to our school and to the younger students because they are setting a good example. We actually had for our floor hockey game, some of our high schoolers participated, so they were on the staff team. And um, I think staff ended up winning that game, right, Coach K? Okay. So other than PBS, I'm gonna transition on to Grief Group is an additional program that we implemented this school year. Our behavior coach um, wrote a grant to infuse an art therapy grief group to support our students that are struggling with the loss of a loved one or a family member, someone being incarcerated. We have found through just conversations with kids, a lot of our students are struggling with this. So we felt there was a need and we weren't really addressing it other than conversations or individual conversations that I was having with students um, or other staff members were having with students. We weren't doing it on a bigger scale, and we needed to. So we started implementing this year a grief group. It runs eight weeks, and right now we're in our second session, so our second group of kids. And we are 
We're addressing the different stages of grief. We're addressing the feelings that go along with it. We're normalizing that for our students. We're even the adults that are participating in that group. We're, we're participating with the kids. So we're not just making them do the work, we're doing the work right there with them to let them see healthy ways of how to handle the grief that they're experiencing. We're trying to normalize that for them and also provide supports for them in the building. We talk a lot about as well with our grief group, the positive coping skills. We talk about how grief, just because you're angry one day, it doesn't mean that you can't be angry about it two months from now. It's cyclical, you're gonna go back and forth and you're gonna have all of the feelings in and out and it's okay and it's normal, so here's what you do when you're having those feelings. And that has been a really powerful piece with that. Finally, another big program that we have begun at Bridges is our airtime. So this is our, our alternative intervention reset. And this is also something that our behavior coach is working on. And the purpose is to decrease our, the unwanted, unsafe, and disruptive classroom behaviors. So what this means is it is a space that our behavior coach provides, usually in our office, when there is a disruptive student or there is a conflict in the classroom or in the building, she will take that student for airtime. And it may be a half of a day, it may be a full day, depending on the conflict that had happened. And it is a place where the student works away from their peers. It's a place where they don't have access to technology. It's a place where they have to work through some problem-solving activities. They have to address the conflict that they were engaged in. And they also brainstorm how they're going to repair the relationships. That is a huge piece to this component. And the behavior coach, she works them through all of this. And we found that it, it's effective and it's working. And instead of having to suspend students, this is what we're doing. We want our students here, not fully. We, um, we want our students in the building. And we know that there are some students, suspension doesn't always work for them. So we're trying to find alternative means to that. And this is one of those where, um, we're seeing that students addressing the conflicts that they're engaging in, not running away from it, having to repair the relationships that they may have damaged due to conflict, they're working through it, they have the conversations, and they're able to return to the classroom. So we've seen that it's been a really powerful tool as we've implemented that. I'm gonna pass it over to Sarah Colleen, Mrs. Coach K. Hi, I am the uh, physical education and health teacher at Bridges Learning Center. I am also the uh, resident coach, and once a year, I DJ our school dance, um, <laughs> Snowball Global. <laughs> it's fantastic. Um, so you may have heard some of the other, um, my colleagues refer to me as Miss Coach K. I remember when I first started at Bridges Learning Center, um, it was the first week of school, and I had this fifth grade class of all boys come in. And a certain student decided to start a campaign, not my gym teacher. And so, um, and he filed a formal complaint with Miss Davis. And um, yeah. <laughs> However, um, when I went into teaching, my focus was relationship building. I wanted to create an environment in physical education um, where we would feel like we're a team. And so with that, that's why when I started teaching, I wanted to take on the title of Coach Colleen. However, that title has, uh, from the student, transformed into Miss Coach K. And I was like, at first I tried to correct him. I'm like, no, 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 it j it's just Coach K. And he's like, Miss Coach K. And now it's, um, it's throughout the whole building and the staff calls me that as well. And so that just uh, shows the power of relationship building. And so also with that, um, as far as um, with the team atmosphere, in every physical education class, we close out with a bulldog huddle. Um, even if we've had a really competitive game and it might have been a, um, 
it gets competitive. <laughs> we close out in a Bulldog Huddle and we all do a huddle together because we're one team. And so we always um, do our Bulldog call. Um, and even if there's some times where I'm, class is over and we've kind of running out of t uh, time, the kids are like, nope, we've got to do our huddle. And so um, that's been something really neat to um, kind of create that team environment. And it's um, for it to feel like a, a place where that they belong because of, as uh, Ms. Davis and some of my other uh, colleagues mentioned that uh, our students before they've come to Bridges Learning Center have kind of been bounced around and kind of told that they don't, through actions, that they don't belong here. So we want them to feel like it's a place uh, where they belong. And so um, we also do that with um, the past two years me teaching at Bridges Learning Center, we've done that through um, our sports program as well as our Bulldog Boot Camp. Uh, last year, um, I went to Miss Davis and I said, you know, there's all this research on the benefits of increasing physical activity. I see these students one time a week, um, although we're K through 12, I see these students one time a week for 45 minutes. Well, there's a recommended of 150 minutes of moderate to vigorous. Um, but with video games and screen times and things like that, you think, oh, kids will go home and play. No, there's a lot of playing in video games. And so I wanted to do something about that because I know in my own life that exercise is really important to my mental health. And so let's do something about it. So I went to her and I said, well, what do you think about some sort of uh, fitness club in the mornings? And she's like, run with it. So that, um, out of that came Bulldog Boot Camp. And currently, that went last year, and we were able to add um, 60 minutes uh, physical activity time for, oops, sorry, for each grade level. And so this year, um, currently, what we have going on is uh, first and second grade um, currently has bold. Bulldog Boot Camp. Um, it's actually this morning, so I know that I'm going to hear about it tomorrow, even though I warned them, because um, they're always up in their feelings when they miss boot camp. They love it. And so, um, however, with the other outside of primary, we have uh, two sports programs going on right now. It is our boys basketball team, as well as our girls and boys uh, track program. And so uh, with the Bulldog Boot Camp, we combine uh, classes. So I have all of my, typically uh, now unit is a maximum of 10 students. However, I combine all of the classes. So right now for the first and sec second graders, I have 25 uh, students. So typically they stay within their, their unit. However, it's a pretty unique opportunity to bring them together um, to participate in a large group um, game and get moving. And so, but with the boys basketball team, um, it's a nine week program and we have practice two times a week and we made the decision to have, um, you know, we didn't in invent sports, but what we're doing differently is we have practice during the school day. So in the morning, two times a week, we have um, 45 minute practices and we have um, right now, it's a fifth and sixth grade program, so we have 18 boys participating. And so with that, they don't, we have um, typically what you see, um, especially as you get into high school, and you see a close relationship with academics and uh, participation, like you have to have a certain GPA, you have to have certain grades, but our focus has uh, shifted towards, okay, there's gonna be individualized behavior goals for these students Okay, and it's, it's weekly. So they have these targets that they need to make, not to participate in practice because there's the benefits of working together at practice and, and being there every week, but in order to be there for a game. So not only is that, okay, I want to participate in that game, but it's also they have that accountability to their teammates. And so uh, with that, um, there's kind of been a good partnership with the teachers on getting those individualized um, behavior goals and those are tracked weekly. And so even if they don't make it for the first game, we'll, we'll try it again the next week. If they do make it for the uh, first game, we increase the level of difficulty. And so 
Um, it's setting the expectations and holding them accountable and um, our students rise to those expectations. And so with our uh, track program as well, last year we had 12 students total participating. This, this year um, it has been uh, expected for us to show up at the program with 25 uh, students, so it's almost doubled. Again, we practice during the school day. We have a separate girls practice and a separate boys practice. Um, and so um, those are just all opportunities, whether it's boot, boot camp or sports practice, they're all opportunities for the students to feel um, like they belong, uh, in addition to the benefits of increased physical activity um, that you see in the physical, mental, and social realms. Um, we also have our gravity racing, which is something that I'm a part of, um, just just helping. I'm not really, I don't know much about the soapbox derby. However, we have our, uh, uh, one of our teachers, Mr. Kastner, who um, runs that program. And last year we had five cars compete at Derby Downs. And it's a pretty unique experience for our students to go to the All-American, like, or the soapbox derby and compete in that. And um, so yeah, just different opportunities for our students that we provide. I hate to cut Miss Coach K off, and I hate to talk over Mr. Hill, but I'm realizing that we're going pretty long, and I wanted to make sure that we had an opportunity for some questions. Uh, as you can see, there's a lot happening at Bridges Learning Center, and we truly believe in meeting the needs of every kiddo from the ground up, whatever it is they need, from clothes to social emotional support. Uh, are there any questions? From the group? Yes, ma'am. It depends on, there, the research supports both. So research says that listening to music is right for you if that's what you determine is right for you. Research says if no music is right for you, then that's what's right for you. So research supports personal choice in that decision. think that it is reasonable to um, make that a data-based process absolutely show me that this works for you and let's play the tunes <laughs> yes ma'am So I've constructed, that's a great question, I've constructed our daily schedule to be um, with some time at the end of the day. It's our, called our bulldog time, which is basically your flex time. All of the teachers are self-contained teachers because it's too much for our kids to switch teachers. The teachers are given chunks of time to get their instructional minutes in. However, they're also incredibly flexible. So they're making sure that their kids are getting what they need when they need it. We are all about our rituals and routine and order and structure and schedules, but we're also incredibly adaptable. I'm never, there's not a teacher that exists in our building that says, no, the track team, the track program isn't important. I'm not gonna give up 20 minutes. We find a way to make it happen, always. Yes, ma'am. Every student at Bridges Learning Center has an IEP. We're really lucky in Akron not to place kids based on any kind of disability or category or label. We just give kids what they need. And I think you'll find that um, special ed teacher by training and heart, our belief is to give kids what they need no matter what a piece of paper says. So. We are an Akron Public Schools program, yes. So, 
No, we are we are a public school program. Mm-hmm. We are yes, yeah. Yes, our program provides a, so that Akron can provide the full spectrum of least the entire continuum of least restrictive environments. In that it's really based on the student and I'm so lucky and I say me like it's my behavior coach I'm so lucky to have on staff a tremendously talented woman who is our behavior coach it's a lead teacher role who is really phenomenal at that work it depends on the age of the child but there is an element of problem-solving and restorative practices involved in reintegrating we have the zones of regulation programming that we use as a curriculum but we use pieces and parts like any good educator of whatever is working for that kid uh, whether it's size of problem any of those things to get them working we access a lot of different elements of things Brian, you want to answer that? I think that was your slide to talk about, right? Um, well, I think um, part, part of our program uh, to be employed at Bridges, you have to go through an interview process. So the staff is extremely committed to the building, uh, very creative, um, very dedicated. Um, you know, people that are, are there till six at night sometimes, depending on, on the program. So I, 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 there's been a lot of staff buy-in, um, which can be, you know, tricky and. <laughs> I, I think I think if a small group grassroots in a building starts with the energy, it builds, mm -hmm. and then it snowballs, and then more people see the positive effects. They want to be involved, um, and then it just grows and grows and grows from there. And, uh, certainly, having support of administration is important. Uh, an administrator who's willing to say, "Go for it, try it, see how it works, test it out. If it works, keep it. If not, scrap it and move on." Yeah, buy-in really isn't our issue, and I'm really lucky that <laughs> our staff right now, everyone buys in. If if you're not with the program, then we're not the right place for you. I'm sorry. I'm it's <laughs> best place in all of Akron Public Schools, and I love dearly the Akron Public Schools. But my staff really is the most committed, talented staff out there. Yes, ma'am. Oh, sorry. I'm looking at two people. I'm so sorry. Blue shirt first. So a change in least restrictive environment is an IEP team decision. It's never unilateral and it's never based on one data point. I can't speak to everything that goes into the decision before a child comes to us because I'm not on their IEP team. But in Akron, we have no, no, no. We have coordinators <laughs> in the Office of Special Education that sit in in any any IEP meeting where least restrictive environment is questioned or possibly changed. So that goes beyond our building level. Um, with it's always a holistic, data-driven conversation based to determine whatever that least restrictive environment is for kiddo. And it's never, as in any placement decision, never taken lightly. Sometimes people hear a lot of positive things about our programming. Sometimes people hear some negative things. So it all depends on someone's perspective. Um, I love that we're getting the wordplay. We're getting the credit that I think that my staff so desperately deserves about all of the amazing work that they do. One thing that we have found is sometimes we, we call it graduation, but students don't actually graduate. When they're ready to leave our program and go back to their home school, sometimes we have parents who are reluctant because they, their child has had so much success and they're not used to their child experiencing success in the school setting that they're a little reluctant. So if there's anything that we uh, have to battle, it's saying that a child is ready to graduate. In the tan shirt, did you still have a question? Yeah. Okay, perfect. 
Yes, ma'am. You know what, she meant that there are six cards all of a zip lip. And I greet the kids every morning. I am, I'm a morning person, so I'm out there every morning. And they just point to the card and I hand them one. I wear them on a clip. I look like some sort of, you know. <laughs> I've got a chip coat on me with emojis hanging off every day. And there's kids that access the program every day, and there's kids that just sometimes get it. One of the coolest things that happened in the spring, or excuse me, in the fall for a kiddo who was going regularly, he encouraged one of his friends to go because he could tell he was having a hard time. He's, he just said, go on, man, get a card from Miss Davis. I'll show you how to do it. And th then he became a program regular, which I love. Isn't the big kids do it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Really? You have no problem with that way? No, it is, I, I think, Edie and Shannon can probably talk for an hour about the, mm -hmm. the effects of this program that we didn't even anticipate. Yeah, it's been really phenomenal. And we have a lot of data to support for kids who have rocky starts. It's really helped de-escalate. Yes? We created a program similar to yours, but not quite as advanced as yours is right now. And one of our biggest barriers has been the transition back to the public school setting. Because ours, and I feel like yours as well, it's almost like an, an outside placement, but it's not. It's within your school district, and ours is for both Gen Ed and Special Ed, so you don't have to have an identified disability to participate. But when the students are ready to transition back to one of our public schools, because of transportation barriers, it's almost like we have to rip the Band-Aid off, and it's not like a smooth transition. How, what is your transition process? I know it's individualized. It is, and we, we have found students are most successful if they transition back to their home school at natural points in the school year. So it's not a constant revolving door at Bridges. We tend to only uh, send kids out at this semester because we found those natural breaks in the year are most natural to reintegrate. Uh, we also, um, transportation isn't an issue because you can't let transportation drive what's best for a kid. And we are really lucky in, the Akron Public Schools to have um, a central office that understands that we're doing what's best for kids and we meet their needs no matter what it takes. Um, as far as the decision, we use several different data points and there's always the question, are they being successful because they're ready or are they successful because they need our program? And I'd say nine out of 10 times we get it right. We have a really low recidivism rate, um, but it's not always perfect. Um, but we try, and it's never, again, a unilateral decision. It's always the whole team agonizing over it. Yeah, so uh, we, we've been running with uh, Mrs. Olchin and my behavior coach. Um, at getting our parents in is a bit of a struggle. We're not a community school. We're a, across the district school. Transportation can be complicated. So we try and make uh, the times that we do bring them in, they get a lot of bang for their buck. So uh, when we have our awards assembly, they do a brief parent informational session um, that includes uh, let's say zones of regulation handouts real quick. Here's how you can check in with your kid and use language that we've used here. We also have related services um, embedded within the school day from outside partner agencies. Red Oak uh, Behavioral Services is one that we have really a lot of staff members from. And we have case managers, CPSTs, that work to bridge the gap between home and school. That helps a lot. And their programming also has a parent in class. Akron Children's Hospital has a really good parenting program, so we might not provide everything, but we can a lot of times get parents set up with someone who can help. We might not know the answer, but we can probably find you someone who does. Anything else? Um, I just wanted to share real quickly. We have a video. Edie, can you get there? I don't know. <laughs> I love when kids say things like they like us because we work our safety plans and give them snacks. That's really pretty much where we live. <laughs> safety plans and snacks if you want a synopsis of what we do. Um, this video was put together and it includes our student voices. I've been here for so long and now my teachers love me. I know I can talk to my counselors on my safety plan. 
I know all the adults care about me here. When things are rough at home, I can't count on them, just have to help. If I need anything, clothes, food, whatever, all I need to do is ask to get it. They care about my schoolwork and also about me. Every morning when I come to the doors, there's about five teachers that want to hug me and they say that they care about me. They care about my home life and school life. Mom comes to the food bank and they want to know if we have food. I love school. I can't learn away from my problems. I have to talk about it. Yes, teacher says that's not going to never give up on I gotta think about what zone I'm in and what zone other people are in. Teachers are always helping me work through problems. My first day here felt like this was my second home. I'm on a track, Red Oak, and art and music therapy. I work really hard to graduate. I have to get my work done, be the rules. Not get frustrated when I get frustrated, just calm myself down, do my coping skills. And it's not really hard, but it's hard sometimes. Since this school year, I've been in basketball and band, and previously I've been in track. It's been a lot of training to get to this moment. And this I'm currently the student council president for Bridges. I'm very popular here. Everybody really knows me here. The teachers and students here. And they really care about me, especially the teachers. And I got one teacher that really, really care about me. She ain't never given up on me. And she really pushed me. And every teacher really pushed me and 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 pushed me. I'm on a track team and I play band. And they push us too. And our next concert, you already know what we're doing out here. Okay, you already know. They push us and they push us and they push us and they push us and they push us. Keep pushing, y'all. He's right, we do push it. Thank you everybody for coming. 